On this episode of True Sex and Wild Love, me and Wednesday sit down together. It's just us two for a little girl chat, but we cover a whole lot of topics. One, including Wednesday thought that I actually broke up with her on social media. So she gets to tell you the whole story about that and what was coming up for her and how she was able to move through it. We also cover letting go when it's time to let somebody go. How do you know and how do you heal from a breakup? And one question that I get all of the time is pertaining to performance anxiety. How do you overcome it? How can you support your partner? What are some of the things that you can do um, to help with that? And how normal is it? I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And we do mention our new content behind closed doors. So I want to let I want to put that on your radar so you guys can remember to sign up for that for all new exclusive content from True Sex and Wild Love. Much love, guys. And it's day 7,247 in our quarantine. (laughs) I think for me, it's literally day 48, but it feels like day 48 billion. That's true. Yes. I know. We're actually getting, you know, I'm doing pretty well, actually. Um, We are opening up our restaurants to on Friday up to 25% capacity and movie theaters and all things, I guess, similar to that, but still not salons or gyms or anything like that. Yeah. I love those states. I love those states that are opening up so that like people can go to a tattoo parlor or work in a tattoo parlor and, or like, you know, uh, a hair salon, you got to say to yourself, hold on a second. What if we undo all our hard work of staying at home and people die so that other people can get tattoos? Oh no. Well, I just can't feel good. I, I just can't understand. Like, obviously there's going to be a spike. I would assume I'm not a doctor. So what do I know? But I would assume that there's going to be a spike. If there's more people out, I don't think we have to technically wear cloth masks as um, if, for people that don't know, I'm in Texas. So that, so that um, won't be required when you guys. As of go. Friday, I don't believe so. Um, but I mean, I can't imagine that there's not going to be a spike. Plus they're going to start testing more people. And so I think we're just going to be right back where we were, unfortunately, in a couple of months. Yeah. Cause of all that hard work and altruism of thinking about other people and staying at home. Um, I, we know the epidemiology from other countries is clear that, if you open things up too quickly, there's, like you said, there's a spike, there's a second wave. So this is a kind of scary time because I think people are feeling so much pressure um, at home. They want to get out. And in a way they're feeling, I hear from people who say they feel relieved um, that the end is in sight. Um, But a lot of people who live in states like Georgia and Tennessee are in touch with me to say, I'm really apprehensive about this. I don't think it's the right thing to do. I mean, obviously epidemiology is not my jam, but looks like a bad idea to open too soon, people. Yeah. And I was talking to a friend of mine this morning because they own bars and restaurants down here and they're just saying, no, we're not going to open up because you can only open up to 25%. So then in my mind, I'm thinking, well, what about the operational costs? Like, will 25% capacity even be able to cover the operational costs? Yeah. And I think a lot of business owners are deciding no. And look, when you say we need to stay at home for longer, it's not like you don't have compassion for small businesses. We do. It's more that we're saying 
isn't it too bad that we're putting business owners and working class people in this position where they have to go out and risk their safety um, in order to earn money instead of these government grants actually doing the work that they're supposed to do and going to the right place. It's, Mm -hmm. it's so discouraging, isn't it? It really is. It really is. So I guess, I mean, all we can do is stay in the unknown and just completely surrender and see where this wild journey takes us. You know, what has been helping me so much with this, Whitney, Hmm. I used to be a person who ran scenarios constantly, 24-7 it felt like. My brain was saying, well, this could happen, and then this could happen, and then this could happen. Or um, another possibility is this would happen in the next and Y and Z. And I was always running scenarios, whether it was my kids falling down the stairs, what would happen when a book came out, um, what could happen in a personal relationship. And then I started reading Pema Chodron the Buddhist nun who writes these really accessible books about Buddhism. And I started reading the pocket Pema children and I read it over and over and over each. It's a tiny little book. And you know, each lesson is just one tiny page and slowly, but surely it started to rewire my brain to the point where five years after I started reading it and meditating, sometimes I only meditate two minutes a day, Five years later, this pandemic happened, and I feel much calmer than I might have predicted. So for people who are looking for some help right now, I highly recommend meditating and reading Pema Chodron or any Buddhist text that you find accessible and easy and comforting. That's helped me a lot. What's helping you? Yes, I do. I love that. Um, (laughs) Meditation helps. So we did... We are eventually going to have Emily Fletcher on the show, and I love her meditations. The meditations have really been helping me. Me and just, too. I have to get outside. So I live right by the lake in Austin, and it has like a long trail that goes around it. We can only walk counterclockwise, and you have to have your mask on. And so I practice social dis- distancing, but I have to get outside and have to get in nature. Otherwise, oh. it's just bad for all of humanity <laughs> if I don't. Oh, it's so good to be able to get outside. And like you said, you can stay apart from people and wear your mask. But yeah, you can get out there, get a little vitamin D and just see people and be in nature, as you said. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've been, I'm going through this year-long relationship course and they have us learning based, you know, how to have different types of orgasms. I mean, they all come from clitoral, but it's just, it takes up a lot more, more time and it's really pleasurable. So you're, <laughs> so do, are you, so you're I'm going to... and I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. So here's what Whitney's doing. She's walking outside, taking a class yes. and jerking off. These seem right. like really good. Wait, what do you say? Masturbating, jerking off. What are your terms that you like? I've never yeah. even heard, wait, I've never heard of a woman masturbating called jerking off. I know. I guess it's a very like penis centric trope that I'm using, but I do say it. I, I do say it for men and for women. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm doing Buddhism and also masturbating. I think it's so great. It helps yes. so much. It I'm really using my, is. yeah, I'm using my sweet vibrations vibes mm. and that's helping me a lot. And I love that you're taking this course and you're doing different 
types of orgasms. Tell me about the different types. So I have, it's very challenging for me to come just with penetration, like a lot of other women. Yeah. What are the stats? You know, it's 80%. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Something like only between four and 17% women of women can come from penetration alone. So the vast majority of women, it's totally normal to need something other than penetration. And it's frankly freaky if you can come from just penetration. I mean, kudos to you. Hats off. Enjoy that. But it, you are a normal human woman if you need more than penetration to have an orgasm. And one of the best books that I came across in this course is called Women's Anatomy of Arousal. Have you heard of it? Oh, yes. Say more. It's, it's a so great book. Good. It's so good. And, and what I like about this is that it also gives you practices that you can do and it'll walk you through it. And so I've been doing more of that. And so if I'm focused, if I'm getting myself to the point of climax via like clitoral stimulation, if you your mind starts to remember that, okay, once we're about to come, we're getting really, really close and you can stop that and then I'll usually put like a dildo in so I can start training myself that, oh, once that's inside of me, I can train my brain to orgasm that way. Because I guess they're saying basically you've taught yourself how to orgasm. A lot of us have, have to either hold our breath, you know, and have like the stress, the, the stress <laughs> orgasm. That's or a Kenneth play. Yeah. <laughs> um, or you have to think or fantasize of something specific every single time. And so I'm just kind of getting outside of the box to see what happens there. And you're enjoying it. Like it oh, sounds yeah. like like what a fun exercise, right? And I just want to say Women's Anatomy of Arousal is a great book and it's by Sherry Winston. I've interviewed her and she was one of the first people recently to map clitoral anatomy really extensively. And I just love that book. I'm and so the- into it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And the other cool thing about that book is that they have little sections for guys. So if guys are reading it or your partner is reading it, you the, they will give you tips on how to please your partner if this, this is something that they're do- going through or where to touch or where to suck or lick or anything like that. Yeah, female pleasures for everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to know about it. So have you, are you studying this thing called the cervical orgasm? Has that? Have yes, you... that's coming up. We we haven't gotten there quite yet, but yes. Tell so, me more. Okay, I want to tell you some stuff that I learned about the cervical orgasm. Um, first of all, you know how there are those discs that you can use for your period, not the mm-hmm. menstrual cup, but you know the discs? That they're sort of like, they're almost like a diaphragm, right? And... But they're menstrual discs, and you just put them up there so that um, you can hold the blood in, and you don't have to have a tampon. And I tried, I tried to get it on there, up there, and I just, I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. Oh, the disc or the cup? Yeah, the disc. The disc. Well, I'll help you because what are friends for? Well, just okay, get, use the mirror, and I'll just <laughs> get that so snug on your cervix. Okay. So when I was younger, I had a diaphragm, so it was familiar to me how to do this, but I can see how it would be really tricky and require some practice, but if you weren't used to it, but I can promise you that it's worth it because listen to this. So, you know, I was using it 
so that I could have intercourse during my period, which not everybody's into, right? So slip that up there so that there wouldn't be a big lot of blood, which, hey, some people aren't bothered by that. So I'm not bothered by it. That's easy. Yeah, exactly. Paint the sheets. Yeah. I just didn't, maybe, I guess I just didn't feel like having sex in the shower or dealing with our sheets or whatever it was. So I inserted this, this, um, menstrual disc and started having intercourse. And can I tell you that the orgasm I had was so insane that I, I mean, I really didn't know what was going on. It was the kind of orgasm that I used to have when I first started having sex, really intense and really kind of like out of nowhere. Mm. All right. So I was like, wow, that's really interesting um, and unexpected. And it happened a few times when I was using these menstrual discs. Okay. Come to find later that one of the menstrual disc manufacturers had a little insert in there in which they wrote about some users had reported something that they're calling in the literature now a cervical orgasm. And these discs allowed your cervix to be stimulated during intercourse. Um, you know, if you're a penis and vagina or dildo and vagina um, sex haver, you can have this effect that the, um, you know, the disc is kind of touching and stimulating your cervix while you're being penetrated. And that it, you know, some people believe that there's this orgasm that they call a cervical orgasm and that it's women report that it's very, very, the term, the adjectives they usually use are deep and whole body orgasm. So yeah, I was just seeing yeah. this, I was just reading something and it was, it was saying it's described as the quote shower of stars. Unquote. Oh, wow. <laughs> was- well, here. Meaning, I mean, bring it on. Shower me with stars all day, honey. Shower with me with stars. So those of you who are listening, you might want to get a menstrual disc and see if a cervical orgasm is in the cards for you. And you might want to tell us what your experience is with it. Um, you know, it sounds ouchy to me when because I have a sensitive cervix. And like I remember when I had babies, if they would like jam their foot into my cervix when I was pregnant, you know, a baby can do that. And it would hurt so much. And if my OBGYN at any point ever like touches my cervix when I'm having a pap smear or anything, I kind of go through the roof. So cervical orgasm just sounded really painful to me. And then I had one. And let me tell you. Let me tell you, you might want to break out those menstrual discs and and just well, give it a whirl. Well, can you without the menstrual disc? You know, I don't know. I think that studying cervical orgasm, honestly, is in its infancy. I, and I haven't read academic studies about it. There might be out, they might be out there. I've mostly read about it in women's magazines, which which can also you know be good source of information. And I've heard about it anecdotally, but I haven't reviewed any data about it. And we need to know more. Maybe our listeners um, could DM us and let us know you know, if they have had cervical orgasms, because I think we need to know more about them. Yes. I some, think we need to some, know more about somebody, them. Somebody on salon.com wrote about a, an article called the orgasm nobody talks about. And 
wrote, it's like being on ecstasy to have a cervical orgasm. So Ooh. I'm just saying, give it give it a whirl and let us know how it goes, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and then I see that also people are saying that doggy style is usually the best to um, have a cervical orgasm just because it helps getting really deep. Oh yeah, that's really yeah, really deep penetration. Okay, got it. So so the good thing would be to put in your menstrual disc, or maybe I don't know if you can have it with the diaphragm. Um, does anybody use the diaphragm for birth control anymore? Hi, I'm 54. <laughs> do people I use have diaphragms? No idea. I mean, I would think so that some people do. I suppose. I mean, I haven't been on birth control now for three and a half. I guess four years almost. So okay, I don't now really I'm, know much. Well, now I'm thinking that maybe those intense orgasms in my 20s were because I was wearing a diaphragm. All right, you know what? We need this some science. This is so interesting. Right? Yeah, we need some science. I'm, so, now yeah. you're going to help me try to put my menstrual disc in before I go on yes, a date. I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to glove up. We're going to yep. use this. We don't need a speculum. And no. I'll just show you how to do it because I can find your – cute little cervix with my gloved fingers. You're Great. tiny. It's not going to be hard. No, it's not going to be hard. I'll go in a date and then, and then I'll even... doggy style and then I'll be showered with stars. I mean, sounds like, like describe your perfect date. Well, <laughs> I'll know that it worked. Yeah. I'll know that it worked if you come back and you're just covered in stardust. That's how I'll know. <laughs> just glitter. That worked. Wow. All right. Something to look forward to when quarantine and staying at home is over. And for those of you at home with a partner, you know, if you have some menstrual discs around and, you know, I'm guessing that menstrual discs might be something that's still being delivered. So people could have some fun with this while they're waiting to not have to stay at home anymore. I hope they're still being delivered. I mean, I feel like we're just so behind when it comes to that, even taxing tampons and all of that. But yes, you can get menstrual discs off of Amazon. So they'll deliver it. And that's great. And yeah, enough of this BS of taxing menstrual supplies like they're a luxury item. Did you know there was a big push, an organization advocating for no more taxes on menstrual supplies? Um, these women were on their way to Washington to argue their case, um, I believe, before the House. Uh, but then COVID-19 um you know, got in the way of those plans, like it got in the way of so many plans. But there are many activists, thank goodness, agitating for us to not have to pay taxes on our menstrual supplies. Enough of that. Hello, it's not a luxury. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, enough of that. And I don't even, I don't even menstruate anymore. And I care about that. Mm -hmm. I, I care about that issue. So here we are talking about cervical orgasms, menstrual discs, all the stuff we've been talking about. Meanwhile, I'm just thinking about how I want to talk about how I thought you broke up with me. Oh my God. Yes. Let's talk about that. Oh my God. Okay. So (laughs) this is, and you're laughing, but like I had a few days where I was just saying to myself, what's up? I don't even know how to put any context around this, but I will say that I saw on your social media that you were reassessing some relationship, maybe some relationships you meant in your life. Yeah. And you wrote something about how, you know, like, and this is such a great point. Sometimes we have to walk away from something. Okay. So 
about a week previously, <laughs> or maybe 10 weeks or 10 days previously, you and I had tried to do a podcast and I was so frustrated because I was not in my regular home. I was at my house in the Hamptons. All this technology was new. I have really pretty crappy um, internet service out here. And I got so frustrated and I was just like, Whitney, I can't do this, but I didn't, and I probably didn't say it nicely. And I probably didn't say it in a collected frame of mind. So that was in the background and you were so cool about it. And our guest was so cool about it. I'm not going to name names. Love her. And, um, we just said, you know what, we'll revisit this. And I think I even texted you like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm recovering from COVID-19. I think I still had uh, COVID-19 at the time and, um, you know, trying to settle the kids into school and all being under one roof. And I said, I'm sorry, I just don't know when I'm going to be able to do this better. All right. So fast forward all these days later, and you and I are usually in touch quite a bit, but sometimes you travel or sometimes you're just, you've got shit going on or I do and we're not in touch. But basically you and I are in touch like every other day. Right. And for me, a day without Whitney is like <laughs> a day without cervical orgasm. It's like, I don't, worst. <laughs> I don't want that day. So it had been a run of days and I hadn't heard from you. And then I saw this post about how sometimes you have to walk away from a relationship. And I had sent you several texts that went unanswered, which sometimes I don't <laughs> see people's texts, right? So, okay, normally... I would be able to just say like, oh, my good girlfriend is busy. We're solid. She's a healthy person and so am I. Well, you know, usually I'm pretty <laughs> mentally healthy. And so whatever, chill out Wednesday. But I started building a story in my mind and I could feel myself building the story. I could yeah. see myself building the story. I was watching myself construct this narrative in which you decided, like, you know what? Like, forget fuck it. Fuck the like, podcast. <laughs> just like, fuck <laughs> Wednesday. She's too much work. Like, that's it. I'm walking away from this, and I'm going to post about it on Instagram. Yeah. What a <laughs> shitty move, first off, if that was the case. Okay. And, but, but how shitty of me to even – think that you would do that. But you know what it was, Whitney? I really think it was this quarantine thing and being isolated and not being in touch with my friends because everybody's busy. Everybody's flipping out. Everybody's happy and then sad and then whatever. So people aren't in touch in the usual ways. And I hadn't slept well. So like my serotonin was low. I was blue. The weather was shit. And these old patterns from when I was younger and felt really unworthy from early childhood just came and they tackled me. And I was sure that our podcast was over (laughs) and that our friendship was over. Oh my God, no. It was so sad and so upset. And I think I bombarded you with texts, which were like, I was trying to be friendly and normal. And I was like, hey, Hey, girlfriend, like, what's going on? And meanwhile, I was like, no, I ruined this friendship by losing no. my temper. And, but then I you know think what? everyone, like, in this time, everything's starting to come up to the surface, right? Because our foundation is a little bit shaky. Everything's unknown. So we're already a little bit on edge. So I totally, it's like, like you said, Corona brain, COVID That's brain. That's it. 
COVID brain. But, you know, that's such a good point that none of our foundations feel solid now. Do you know how I found my ground again? How? I just, I read Pema Chodron and um, listened to Emily Fletcher. And I said to myself. cervical orgasm. And I had a cervical orgasm or two. (laughs) (laughs) I should have. Because then my, oh man, my serotonin and dopamine would have just been like up so high. But I did. I said to myself, Wednesday, I see what you're doing. I know exactly what you're doing. You've done this so many times. And guess what? It's impossible to sink this friendship because you have grown so much. You don't do this to yourself anymore, except under extraordinary circumstances. And Whitney was a good choice that you made in a podcasting partner and in a friend. And she's a relationship coach. And she's not going to dump your ass on Instagram. <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> Definitely not. I would be, oh my God, I, it gives me anxiety just thinking about doing that. My feet feel funny. My hands are like sweaty. Oh, God. <sighs> I'm sorry that I even brought it up. But, you know, we were talking about just the weird places our minds are going lately and the things that you believe in the most, suddenly you're asking yourself, do I have good judgment? Am I who I think I am? And I think it's because we're just, we're all afraid, as you said, and our foundation is really shaky. Yeah. Yeah. I really think that's, I I mean, it keeps coming up. You know, I, I watch myself and my cycles start to come up too throughout this and even the clients that I'm working with. It's just like that's a part of this entire process. It's putting everybody through a strainer almost. So what was I doing when that was happening? And well, or more importantly, and maybe relevant for our listeners, can you talk a little bit about when girls, when girlfriends break up or think they're going to break up and is it happening more now? Well, I think this is a really great point that we should even talk about the fact that you can break up with your friends right? So people yeah. think- like you could just dump me. <laughs> yeah. Like I could have just dumped you. <laughs> you like Wednesday. But, but we have done that, right? You and I have had to say sometimes um, this friendship isn't serving me. Yeah. And it's just and knowing had to that break so up. If you find yourself in a relationship to where maybe it's draining your energy, you don't feel as happy when you're around that person. Maybe they're not, you know, it's not fulfilling you in a way. You don't, it's not serving you, whatever it is, you just keep getting stuck in that negative loop if you're around them too. It's okay to take space from a friendship, even though you're not having sex with them. Like we think a breakup only pertains to sexual relationships, but it goes into platonic and friendships too. I've had to do it before when I've had friends who are just overly negative um, and I don't feel like they support me and my and my choices. It's like, you know what, we have to take some some time apart and I did not always do it the healthiest way. Like I'm not somebody who can 100% say I do everything right, even though I, I know a lot of the things that I could be doing or should be doing. I always kind of, you know, because of my patterns would, would distract and I would push somebody away and not really say how I was feeling and kind of cease conversation a little bit. Um, until finally, you know, I had to have a conversation because they were picking up on it. And so we had a conversation. I was just really open about why I felt like I needed space from this person. And it's just like clearing the air. And from there, it's either, Mm -hmm. okay, we'll take space. But also that can also help you guys get closer because you're starting to clear the air and you're saying things that you haven't said to each other. And that resentment, you're allowed to release some of that resentment. Right. And 
that you know you just reminded me of something which was that and I have been dumped by um people before like by girlfriends and I have bro- broken up with girlfriends myself and I, like you're saying I didn't always do it in an upfront way. I mean, especially in New York City, there's this thing people do to each other. I think of it as the fade out. And maybe people do it everywhere, but you know, New York is just such a busy place and it's kind of almost easy to just phase out a friendship because people are so busy. Um, So I have been guilty of phasing out friendships that way, but I've been on the receiving end of it too. And it's really painful because your relationship with your girlfriends can be as profound and intense as a relationship with a romantic partner, right? I mean, do you see that in your practice and your coaching? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, and it goes same for me is my, the, my close friendships are very, very close and very deep. And if I don't have that, I definitely feel like something is missing and I miss them. I miss that strong connection. And I remember not having very many girlfriends because I was so competitive with them before. And now I'm in this place to where, you know, there's there's now girlfriends in my life. We've survived by dating the same people or dating exes and gone through that whole process. But my life is so much better with them in it. It makes me feel happier and just supported. And I have the sisterhood. So if I was going to have to break up with one of them or they broke up with me, I would I think I would be heartbroken. Truly. Yeah, I, I seriously, I think there is a heartbreak effect just like with the romantic relationship that I've seen when you know when my girlfriends say, "Oh my god, you know, I don't see so and so anymore." And and we have to talk it through for a really long time. Like like a love relationship has ended because it is a love relationship, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It really is. One thing that I was reading about the other day, I can't remember, remember where this was, but somebody was talking about when you're letting someone go or you're getting out of a relationship or a breakup, probably regardless if it's a friendship or a romantic relationship, there's usually two ways that you can do it. It's like one, let's say you have a hangover. Let's say one, you are eating the right foods, you're getting a sweat, maybe you get an IV, you take care of yourself, you nurture yourself, and you heal yourself back to, you know, baseline. So you feel feel better or feel, mm-hmm. you know, back to baseline. Right, or right. two, it's you're drinking and you're distracting and you're eating greasy foods and you're not really taking care of yourself. There's like two different routes that you can take to this. Obviously, the first one where you're actually nurturing your heart and your mind and soul and everything is going to be the fastest way to healing. And so I think by having that mindset of saying like, okay, if I'm going through a breakup or a letting go process, what's the way that I want to go through this? Right. And, you know, I think some people will want to get in touch with that friend if it was a fade out, say, right? Right. Yeah. Some people want to reach out and say, hey, I know this happened and we're not in touch anymore and it's just really making me sad and I want you to know, I want to honor the friendship that we had. For some reason, we're not having it anymore. And I, I just, find that – yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I just think that that's, that might be important for some people or other people might have to do it on their own, right? You might have to – it might be some one-sided healing. And I think part of it would have to be, as you said, honoring that you are really grieving the loss of an important relationship. It wasn't just your girlfriend. She's not replaceable. 
it was a real and important relationship because we know um, that women get so much sustenance from their relationships with each other. So uh, yeah, I just want people to acknowledge how deep those relationships are and not feel like there's something wrong with them if they're sad that it's gone sideways. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I get most hate on is when I say that if somebody doesn't want to be in a relationship that they should get out. The fact that I get the most hate on that is fucking what? mind-blowing to me, you guys. Wait, because say more about that. It's what? because they think – I'm using they as general, so – Okay, so like for example, you say – you mean in a coaching session or, or you no, know, usually in, just in some public media. speaking. Yeah, okay. social media. Um, if I post something like, you know, if you don't want to be in a relationship, you can get out of that relationship and that's perfectly fine. But there's this mindset that you have to be with somebody forever and always. And if you get out of that, that means you're not trying or you don't want to stay for the children or you don't want to do this and you're being selfish by doing what you truly want to do. And I'm not saying that. I'm saying try. Like know that you tried your hardest. But when you know that and you don't want to be in the relationship, I think the most loving thing that you can do is step away for yourself and for the other person. Because let's be real. The other person doesn't want to be in a relationship that they're not being chosen in. You know, that if your partner wants to be somewhere else and they're kind of checked out of the relationship, do you really want to be in that? I mean, I don't. Mm, these are big questions. You know, I remember one time I was in a relationship of many, you know, maybe seven years and I just could not break up even though I knew that it wasn't right. And a colleague said to me, I worked at the time at a women's magazine and another editor said to me, you know, you should really read this great book by Peter Kramer called Should You Leave? Mm. He's the guy who wrote um, Learning from Prozac. or No, it was called Listening to Prozac. He's a, an MD psychiatrist who really values talk therapy and, um, you know, uh, psychotherapeutic processes, not just writing scripts and medicating people. And he wrote this book, Should You Leave? And I still find it one of the most thoughtful things I've ever read about how and when to end a relationship. And, you know, it's not exactly a how-to book. It's a lot of uh, stories, really respectful stories, where he digs into the experiences of his patients. I, they're composites, presumably, to protect everybody's privacy. But they're really real stories of people grappling with, should I end this now? How can I end this? How can I step away? Because it's like you said, Whitney, when you're in a relationship, whether it's a friendship um, or a romantic relationship, it's almost like you feel like you're just supposed to keep moving forward forever and anything else is a failure. And we yeah. do ourselves such a disservice when we think that if we end it, um, you know, we're breaking the rules or, or failing. We're not. Sometimes things have to end. Yeah. Sometimes. Meanwhile, I'm just so glad you didn't break up with me on Instagram. God, I know. I, I and anyone listening, if you're going, if you are thinking about breaking up with somebody, don't do it on Instagram. Don't be that person. Okay. Do it on TikTok. No. I'm come kidding. up with a dance. We come up with a dance. bye bye bye. <laughs> you know what I do want to say seriously. There is nothing that lifts me up these days the way it lifts me up. Well, I'm loving spending time with my family, which we don't usually do, but we're all stuck together. So we're spending a lot of time together and it's nice. 
the thing that really lifts me up emotionally and psychologically is when I FaceTime with a girlfriend. And so mm-hmm. I just want to, after this talk about breakups, I just want to say if there if there's a friendship that you don't want to end, if there's a friendship that you really value, especially right now, don't take it for granted. Reach out to that person. You might feel weird to say like, will you FaceTime with me? But get over yourself and just ask the person to FaceTime with you. And they'll probably ask you the next time because it feels really good. But in the age of texting wit, I feel like we're not seeing each other's faces enough with this quarantine, right? Right. And we yeah. need we need it's fun to text, but we need to see each other's faces. We know that all kinds of neurological processes start to happen when we're reading each other's facial cues. We can't do it as well over technology as we can in person, but if we're seeing the person, we're getting that input, we're making those sympathetic facial gestures, we're getting those neurotransmitters going and we're feeling good. It feels good to look at your friend's face and talk to her or him. So just make sure you do it and don't hesitate to be the first person to say, hey, I need to FaceTime with you. I love a good FaceTime. I really do. I'm I'm jamming on it right now. And I think too, if you think of somebody just and you don't have time to FaceTime, send them a text or something that I like to do and some of my friends will do is send me a voice message just being like, hey, I've been thinking about you, Um, like a voice recording that you can send through text. Yeah, voice note. How have you been doing? This is what's kind of going on with me. I'm sending you a lot of love. Can't wait to hang out. Like that can change someone's day in a matter of, I don't know, 20 seconds, 10 seconds, however long it is. And I was, I know that I've, you know, I've been having some of my own emotional stuff go on. And I had my friend just randomly do that to me the other day. And it was so sweet. Like it just warmed my heart so, so much. So I, I encourage anyone to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And even if it's somebody that you were in a sexual or romantic relationship with or dating or before all this happened, it means a lot to people right now to be contacted by text, right? Or or just Mm -hmm. for people to reach out. So like, don't get hung up on like, oh my God, should I do this or not? If you're thinking of being in touch with somebody, do it. Yeah. Just Unless it. it's like a horrible toxic relationship that you just managed to extricate yourself from. In then, that case, pause, pause. Let it go. Yeah. <laughs> let, let it go. go. That's that's when you know it's time to let it go. There you go. <laughs> so should so should we do a question now, Whitney? I should probably yeah. go down for dinner in like 10 minutes. Is that okay? We have 37 okay. minutes now. Should don't, we answer? Don't worry. I won't break up with you. Let's see how you can break up with me. <laughs> no. I'm not going to go with you today. Do you know what? Part of my brain was like, bitch, you know she wouldn't do that. So why are you torturing yourself by like running this stupid ca- catastrophic scenario? Like, Because we're you know humans what? and we're so good at that. We're I so know. good at coming up with the worst case scenario. <laughs> we are. And you know what? I think especially now, I think, I think that was like a more – a slightly more um, handleable, like something I could, it was a catastrophe that I could feel like I could slightly handle when I couldn't handle the catastrophe of this pandemic. I yep. could think about you breaking up with me and losing you, and it was making me crazy. But I think what I was really working through was just grieving that this whole pandemic situation has us has people out of touch and disconnected. I don't know. They were linked. 
back in touch. I know. I can't wait until we're like, you're staying at my apartment in New York again, or I'm with you in Austin and we're recording in a studio. I know. <laughs> I know. Same. Um, okay. Yeah. So let's do this question because this is a question that I got so many times and it's a very popular thing that happens. Um, and so let's do the question for, let's do the question for five minutes. Sorry to interrupt. Let's do the question for five minutes and then let's do the thing about our um, behind closed doors. Ooh, yeah. Right. Um, okay. So it's on performance anxiety. So I have performance mm. anxiety. I hate it. I'm constantly using Cialis. Are there any safer options? Oh, wow. This is, this is such a good question that you picked with. Yeah. And, and it and, was so brave of this guy to write to us about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just so true that this comes up time and time and time again. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how many times when I've hooked up with somebody, it's, you know, it, it, they have trouble getting it up or it's staying hard. And I know that there's you – know, I would love to hear your take on this because I know that naturally – the erection is supposed to go up and down, isn't it? Yeah, we have this crazy idea. Well, you know what? This is, and we have to have her on, but you know, you've heard me talk about this sex researcher I love named Sarah Hunter Murray. And the first thing I want to say to any women or men who are dealing with male performance anxiety is get this book called Not Always in the Mood by Sarah Hunter Murray in which she takes apart all the myths about male sexuality that are hurting men and women and people who don't identify as either. And all these stereotypes that are just killing men. And one of the stereotypes is men are always horny. Men always want to have sex. Men are dogs. Men can get it up on a dime and keep it up forever because that's just how men are. Meanwhile, you and I hear from men all the time, Whitney, who say, I'm so afraid that I can't get it up. So often it happens that I can't get it up. And I'm what I want to say about that is when this many men are having performance anxiety and are not getting an erection as easily as they would like to, we can easily say this is normal, right? Right. Don't, don't feel weird if you're a guy and at this moment when you'd most like to have an erection – in the sexual encounter, whether it's with a um, another man or a woman, suddenly it's not happening. That is yeah. nor that is normal. It's normal, and I know that it's annoying for guys. Like I really do. I, I and can't shaming. It. It's shaming. And it's shaming, and it's frustrating, and you don't know what's going on or how to fix it. You know, two two of the top things that I've heard about this is usually the anxiety will come from your overwhelming need and desire to want to please your partner, right? Like I want to please them so fucking bad, but I don't know how and I don't know what to do and how is this going to go? And, and then you start to get in your head about this. And then also having just unrealistic beliefs that we get from porn and how your dick is supposed to look and how you're supposed to fuck and how she's supposed to, you know, come every 30 seconds. <laughs> right. It's just like there's so – no wonder you have performance anxiety. Yeah, no wonder when you have been really steeped in misconceptions about male sexuality forever. The other thing that I so, – so, you know, as we're saying right now, you know, these images that you're seeing of virile masculinity are fantasies, right? And I, I 
I have heard a younger and younger guys telling me, DMing me, um, emailing me, saying that they're using Viagra, Cialis, Stendra, whatever, because they're worried and they have to stay hard the whole time. Okay, here's another myth that once the guy gets an erection, it's just a straight line until he has an orgasm. Absolutely not. It's normal to have an erection during a sexual encounter, and then maybe your orgasm wanes a bit. Sorry, your erection. I uh, hope I didn't misspeak for that whole sentence. But it's normal for for during a long sexual encounter. You're not necessarily supposed to have a rock-hard um, erection the whole entire time. That's another misconception about male sexuality. So don't put that on yourself. And finally, Whitney, I know you have things to say about ways that you can please a woman without having an erection. I mean, go. Mm, that's the other thing, right? It doesn't just have to be P in the V. There's so many other things that you can do. Oh my God. We were just talking earlier about how P in the V only works for somewhere between 4 and 17% of women. The vast majority of women, P in the V doesn't do it. So guys, let that take a little bit of weight off your shoulders. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't even – look, there's so much to sex. Like, great. You have a hard cock. Whip-de-do. I hardly come from that, okay? So get really curious and, and start to do all these other things. Like, that, that is what makes a good lover to me. It's not just someone who can just pound it out. It's someone who's, like, sensual and knows how to touch me and, you know, eats me out really beautifully and can, you know, kiss my neck and take their time and but can also be, like, rough and fun if that's what I'm feeling. Like, there's just so many other ways and that's it's like it's just your sexual playground like go down the slide play on the swing be on the monkey bars i don't know oh i love that analogy that there are just so many things on the playground i mean can stop. i just say also <laughs> yeah i was this has nothing to do with performance anxiety i was just i was looking something up about performance anxiety and this is what came up the best foods to stick your dick in oh. <laughs> why <laughs> And this is on Playboy, you guys. This was like a big article on Playboy. Is it what feel good? Oh, that sounds like it would feel good. And they said to heat it up for at least 10 seconds. No longer because you don't want to fry your pecker. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What else? Dough, like warm dough. That seems like it would feel really good. I think warm dough might be the way to go. Um, Cooked pasta. Maybe. Wow. Watermelon. Cantaloupe. I don't know if I could get enough traction from cooked pasta. Do you know what I mean? Like if I had a dick, I would need some traction and thrust, and I don't know if I could get it from, from pasta. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just had no, a very vivid image that that would be difficult for me if I were a dude. I think all of it is, is a little odd. But yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and go with the, the – if I had a dick, I would go with the dough, the warm dough. Yeah, me too. It sounds really good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if I didn't need another excuse to like bread and pastas and dough more, <laughs> just, just all these things. Just a, <laughs> a lovely thing to do. Okay. I just wanted to say another thing that can take down performance anxiety that you just reminded me of. If mm-hmm. guys tell themselves and un- truly understand that the reason there's an orgasm gap, the reason heterosexual women, don't have enough orgasms is because of P and the V. We fetishize and obsess over P and the V 
there's nothing wrong with it. It's great. I love it. Do it all day. But, and if you love it, you love it. But let this take some of the pressure off you guys who are feeling performance anxiety. Most women that you're in bed with, there's no way they can come like that. Yeah. Okay. True. And so, there's so much like, there's like a, there's a big, obviously a mental aspect to this for sure. I know a lot of people are, like you said, are taking Cialis, Viagra and all of that. There's also like numbing sprays that you can do, but that's a bandaid. Like that's not going to fix this if you're really yeah. worried about it. Obviously it goes deeper and just being aware of that. And you know, I think that there are things that a partner can say to somebody who's experiencing that. First of all, you know, women have been schooled to think that, oh, well, that means that he's not attracted to me. I'm not yeah, hot. what's wrong with me? Oh my God. It could be that he's coming down with the cold. It could be that he's worried about money. It could be that he thinks you're a goddess and he's a little bit scared. Um, it could be so many, it could be that he doesn't feel like he knows you well enough and he doesn't feel connected to you that he's not having an erection. Whatever it is, somebody, uh, I can't remember who the sex researcher is that I learned this from who said, one of the best things you can say is I don't need you to be hard right now. There's mm. no, there's no reason. Yeah. 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 There's so many other things to do. Like you said, there's so many other um, toys on the playground, right? That's right, girl. But I think that takes the pressure off a lot to just say, I don't need you to be hard right now. Well, I don't know. Mm -hmm. What do you tell people to say with when their partner no, I is? Think I think that's perfect. I don't need you to be hard right now. We can do something else. I don't I don't think like brushing it off because some, some people are just like, oh, that, that's not a big deal at all. And it kind of brushes it off to make him to – That he's feeling feel, wounded. That he's feeling wounded. You're not really there for him. And so I don't think brushing it off, but I love that. I'm saying like, babe, you don't need to be hard right now. Like there's so many other things that we can do. Yeah. And if somehow, I guess, you know, guys could just understand how common this is and it might help if their partner says, I mean, I don't know, you're not going to want to say, oh, this happens with all the guys I have sex with. You don't want to say that. But there must don't be- Don't worry. The guy, it happened to him last night too, you know? <laughs> like, what? How many people having sex with a week? <laughs> but, but there's honestly, gotta, yeah. every person that I've had sex with Almost everyone has. We've had this come up. Yeah, it's so, it's going to come up, and I just want men to know that it is a normal part of being a normal human male to feel performance anxiety. Unfortunately, because of the dumb culture we live in, but it is a normal part of being a normal human male to sometimes not not get an erection when you want to have one. Yeah, and ladies, don't look at yourself like you're not beautiful or you feel fat or something was off or you didn't smell right. Like, don't don't feel that way. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and guys too. If your male partner, you know, doesn't have an erection, you know what to say now. Every we all know yep. what to say. Yeah, totally. And it ha it happens. It happens. It happens. And these are okay. So these are the type of things that we're going to be talking about on our behind closed doors that we are launching very, very soon. Ooh, behind closed doors and also behind a velvet rope because this is some very exclusive, naughty, fun content. Yes, it's going to be, we're going to have even more guests, even more Q&As. We talk, we recorded one, a Q&A last week, and it's we get more personal about ourselves and what we've been through. And so it's just a little bit more in depth. You get a it's little juicy. bit deeper into Whitney and Wednesday. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's juicy. Like our vaginas. It is. <laughs> yes. 
super juicy. And like you said, it's personal. And, you know, um, are we going to tell people what the first one is? Well, the first one's going to be a Q&A. Yeah, and that then- Q&A, we got into it. Yeah, we really did. So many good things. Talk about threesomes. Talk about anal. We give you all kinds of tips. I talk about maybe shitting the bed. <laughs> Our personal experiences with threesomes and anal. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then from there, drum roll, please. Drum roll, please. Ta-da. Me Wednesday. squirting with, with Kenneth, Kenneth Play. Sex hacker. That's right. And Whitney being such a good cheerleader. I really, I just was so honored to be your squirting cheerleader. Because I think I should get it. I think I should get a Letterman made. Yeah, because at age fifty-four, I really didn't think I could learn any new sexual tricks, and you and Kenneth Play assured me that I could. Yep, you absolutely can. Every day, you can learn something new. And, and squirting Kenneth, yeah, was your day. Squirting, it was my day, and I want to share it with people because if if you're not living your science about sex. What's the point? Yeah. I mean, really, who even are you if you're not? (laughs) (laughs) If you're not squirting live on camera and on audio tape with Kenneth Play, (laughs) are you really even living? It's just so gangster that you did that because I like – there's a lot of things that I would do and wouldn't do, but that that made me just nervous. You're just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's go. Set up a towel on the floor. And we had windows that overlooked another uh, office building and they could see in. And she was just not worried about it at all. I mean, I wasn't worried. I wasn't worried at all because I was in good company. And um, I loved how you just kind of set the scenario for us. And just, just, it felt like a safe thing to do somehow, (laughs) which sounds insane. Which sounds insane. I wonder how my husband's going to feel about it. I think he'll be, I think he'll like, I think he'll enjoy it. You told him, right? Oh yeah, of course. But yeah, but he, he but was like, wow. To it. Yeah. He's like, wow, you're going to do that on the podcast. I wonder I if he's he, going to get turned on by it. I'm going to report back. Yeah. Report back. Let me know. I feel like you would. I mean, I feel like a lot of people are going to get turned on. You're going to get lady boners and boner boners left and it's right. It's possible. On the other hand, let me just say like, a squirting tutorial is not necessarily about sexiness, but it does feel amazing. And I did yeah. kind of put myself out there because you know what? Sex can be a little bit gross sometimes, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, things happen when two bodies are in bed or when somebody's trying to teach you how to squirt. So it's it's all in there, uncensored. Yes. So make sure you guys sign up for our Behind Closed Doors extra content. We'll put it in the show notes and in the intro and outro so you guys know exactly where to go. It's worth the price of admission. Trust us. Oh, yes. All right, Wednesday. Well, I know you have to go cook dinner Thank you, darling. I'm so glad we didn't break up. Me too. Look at us. We're just, you know, our relationship is just getting stronger and stronger. It's stronger than ever, thank goodness. Um, Healthy communication. I know. We've got it. We've got it going on. All right. So I'm going to leave this running, right? I'm not going to touch this until it's all uploaded. Correct. All right. I love you, darling. Oh, let's just be in touch about Emily and everything else. And just hang in there with what's going on. Yeah. You're doing the right thing. All right. Thank you, babe. Love you. Here for you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Such a fun episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. And if you did, 
please go on to iTunes and leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Um, It really helps the success of the podcast and spreading this message. Much love, guys.